if you enjoyed this episode, that's cool. Give us a follow up past, present, future music podcast on Instagram. Welcome, everybody, to the past, present, future music podcast. Today is officially Monday, January the 18th, and we'll be talking with Maddie McLean about Eurovision, which is a song contest in Europe. Really hope you enjoyed this episode. Welcome, everybody, to the past, present, future music podcast. Today on the podcast, we have Maddie. So why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself a little bit? Hello, friends. Uh, my name is Maddie McLean. I am from Canada, and I am an author, and I love Eurovision. Eurovision. And uh, so do you mind explaining what Eurovision is? I didn't know what it is. I'm sure a lot of viewers don't, so enlighten us. Yeah, the brilliant thing about living in North America is none of us have any idea what Eurovision is. But once you discover it, you suddenly realize that there's this whole world of music that fights each other in Europe. So what Eurovision is, is it's essentially all of Europe getting together once a year. Every country submits a song. And then there's also Israel and Azerbaijan and Australia and there's a couple other places. But what, what they're all doing is essentially everyone submitting a song in the hopes that their song is voted the best song of Europe that year. Mm. Yeah, and that's uh, that's one country submitting one song, or is it like multiple people from that country can submit a song? Well, what's interesting is that it's it's starts off on the country level, where the countries fight each other to figure out which song they're going to submit. Mm. And then there's two semifinals where they whittle it down to about 26 countries that will essentially go forward. And essentially, on the night of the big contest, Everyone presents their song as this giant, over-the-top, beautiful show. And every country can vote for any song except for your own country. Mm, okay, yeah. yeah. So that's, that's the twist. Okay, yeah, that's, yeah, it makes sense. Um, so essentially, what each, is it each country has one vote or different people can vote? What happens is that each... Uh, it's actually the voters. So the people watching mm. all have the ability to call in and vote for any country they wish. And then what happens is at the end, uh, all of those votes are tallied and the countries that had the most votes are then going to get a certain amount of points. And at the end of the night, whoever has the most points will win the round. So it's it's really interesting how they have it set up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um is it comparable to anything like uh, America's Got Talent or anything? Is there like a big audience like in the back or anything like that? Initially, I thought it was something that you could compare to like American Idol or one mm. of those like the voice shows. But the interesting thing about them is that they're really focusing on the performer and not the song and they're not presenting original things. So what Eurovision does is they're presenting their country and that country is essentially repping well their countries is pretty much repping themselves with what they consider their best song of that year so it's just this really interesting combination of things mm. that go together to make this really unique contest so like america or something could or canada could do that but it would be essentially a case of like each state could vote for any other state but you can't vote for the same Right. Like you couldn't vote for your state, but you could still all submit. It'd be interesting. Like I, mm. maybe one day they'll try something like that. But I think it might be a little bit too, might be a little bit too forward thinking right now. 
Mm, yeah, and I was scrolling through the Wikipedia quickly before this episode because I had no idea what Eurovision was. And I saw that, of course, they uh, canceled the 2020 edition. And I know apparently they were the longest running uh, sort of contest thing in uh, Europe. Uh, that's right, right? Yeah, so it's been happening since the 50s. I think mm. it first started in 58. I think that's the first one. But mm. it's literally been going every year. And there's some really big names who have done it. So oh. ABBA got their start on Eurovision. Oh, okay. Same with Celine Dion. Celine Dion mm. went and represented Switzerland yeah. in 88 and won Eurovision, of course, because, mm-hmm. you know, that's just what happens when Celine Dion enters Eurovision. Yeah. <laughs> but... Uh, there's a lot of really famous musicians and bands who have been a part of Eurovision, usually after they've been super successful, but not always. So like, um, just thinking on the top of my head, in the past 10 years, they've had Darude from uh, the Sandstorm guy. He presented mm-hmm. a song with someone. Nice. Uh, they had Bonnie Tyler, who did Total Eclipse of the Heart in the 80s. She presented a song in uh, for UK. Um, Cascada from Ger- was representing Germany one year. So it's mm. like these really interesting big names are kind of peppered throughout Eurovision. Yeah. It's just, it's super interesting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, I do, I, like I said, I was scrolling through the Wikipedia and one of the sections is talking about criticism and controversy. And, you know, I've always, I've always uh, found a liking to that section of Wikipedia pages for some odd reason. And I was just oh, for curious sure. <laughs> what, what kind of controversies, because, you know, Wikipedia likes to be wordy, but I was wondering if you could explain it in a sort of easier way to interpret. Well, the biggest controversies that come up is a lot of countries really like to vote for each other. Mm. So like I, Cyprus and Greece have a thing where they vote for each other. And mm. so it, you'll find a lot of, uh, things like that happen but then there's also a lot of things that come up like you have Europe as a whole especially when you get into like if Georgia or Turkey or Azerbaijan is participating Mm. a lot of the songs that they'll present will be much more conservative Mm. so like there was a couple years ago I think it was Ireland who presented a song about two male lovers together Mm. but that clip wasn't actually aired in all the countries so it was really interesting to see how that was you know kind of taken and then you know not really not really put through in a major way so it's something like you know it's not something that we think about but a lot of that can go through and then there's also a bunch of things like you know people stole our song this song was presented before the year so like a lot of little controversies come up so Mm, like right now i can't imagine like armenia and azerbaijan probably aren't going to be friends this year so like Mm. (laughs) (laughs) there's a lot of things that are happening on a global scale that you always have to consider like Mm -hmm. russia frequently got booed for a while just because of all of the things that russia does so even though it has nothing to do with the song it's still like oh no you're russia we don't like you so (laughs) yeah yeah for sure i mean i i know uh because i'm european i'm actually hungarian and I notice in a lot of the European countries, they still have that sort of traditional belief of, you know, all these sorts of, you know, like women and men, like it should be nothing else, like all these sort of beliefs. I'm just wondering, does that play into the voting system as a controversy? I would imagine so. As someone who has never got to uh, kind of dive into that myself, mm. um, I can't say for sure, but I imagine like, 
I don't know, you, you get a lot of these situations where it's just like, is that is that something that we want to pursue or is that something that we want to see? But like, yeah, I like that you're from Hungary because there's a lot of really great songs that have come out of Hungary. Oh, yeah, yeah for sure. I mean, it's a very, I mean, Hungary is definitely a very traditional place every time I visit. It's, it's, it's sort of got that mindset and never really evolved from there. Um, whether that mindset is... Um, a good one or a bad one I don't really want to <laughs> talk about that but I'm just you know I, I'm sure it plays a role sort of in the voting process you know that's just sort of how it works unfortunately for sure um, also I mean Eurovision is um, a European sort of based um, thing as well but of mm-hmm. course they do um, allow some other countries right what other countries are in your uh, Eurovision that aren't technically in Europe well, the, the strangest one is Australia. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, Australia's in Eurovision, and they they do really well. Like, mm-hmm. they bring really good, interesting songs. So that's one of the interesting ones. Uh, Azerbaijan has been doing it for a long time. Mm-hmm. Israel, I think, joined in the 60s, so they've been doing it for many years now and have won multiple Eurovisions. Mm-hmm. Actually, most recently in, in 2018, with one of the most bizarre songs you've ever heard in your life. But, you know... It was good, and it's out there. Um, Georgia and Turkey are both technically like in Europe, but also not in Europe. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Azer- uh, I already said Azerbaijan. Yeah, there's just a whole realm of worlds that could enter Eurovision in the future, and it's been mm-hmm. talked about. Like uh, Kazakhstan has been talked about for a long time about being a part of Eurovision in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if any of the others stands are in there, but. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, yeah, for sure. I mean, and every sort of uh, contest, I mean, you can talk about the the NBA or anything. They all sort of have some sort of dominant force, whether we uh, agree with it or not. Um, So I'm just curious in Eurovision, what countries would be the dominant forces? Which ones keep on producing amazing talent? Well, I don't know about amazing talent, but Mm -hmm. like you can't talk about Eurovision without talking about the big five. And these are five countries who, no matter how bad their song is, they will be in the top, uh, they will be in the finals. Mm -hmm. And those countries are United Kingdom, France, Mm -hmm. Spain, Germany, and Italy. And Mm -hmm. it's because those, uh, those countries bring in so much revenue that they were afraid that if they didn't have those countries in the finals, that no one would watch and they would lose Mm -hmm. a lot of ad revenue. So that's one of the things that has been considered going through. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, in terms of like going forward, a lot of these countries have kind of built upon. Well, there's a there's a lot to talk about there. Is mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Yeah, and then, yeah, I mean, it's funny that you that's the top five, and they're always in the finals. And but I noticed you didn't mention Ireland, who holds the most wins. So I'm just curious, how does that work? Well, what happens is that uh, the way Eurovision works is that, you know, in the finals, the past five, uh, the big five are always going to be there. Mm -hmm. And there's always going to be a representative from the person who won before. So, for instance, in 2018, uh, Israel won, so obviously Mm -hmm. Eurovision took place in Israel, in Tel Aviv. And then what happened was that Israel sent their person into the the finals, and then 
the next five were all there as well. So same thing would have happened this year in the, well, last year, I guess I should say, in the Netherlands, where they would have actually had a representative from there automatically in the big five, with big five in the finale. So mm. what happens is that each of the countries can potentially go through and make it past the finals, but very few countries uh, make it every year, unless you're a part of the big five. Mm. So some countries are very successful. Like I don't, I think uh, Azerbaijan's, I'm pretty sure it's been in every year since 2011 when they won last. They were probably there beforehand, but that's kind of as far back as my big knowledge goes. Mm -hmm. But like Sweden's there every year and they just always, they're annoyingly good. Like, <laughs> you can't hate Sweden because they release some of the best songs that you've ever heard in your life. Oh. Mostly pop ballads. They usually send in a pop a pop singer. So, mm. But yeah, they do really good. They have a lot of interesting things. Mm. Um, but then you get someone like Ireland who did really well like a long time ago. But mm. it seems like the past couple of years has been struggling to get their footing again. So mm. it's interesting. Ireland's also the only place that has had a winner uh, win twice. So they've oh. submitted the same person, and he won both times. Oh, wow. That's good. And um, I heard that all Eurovision songs must not be longer than three minutes. Do you agree with that? Yes. Like, there's usually the song itself, and then there's usually, a, like, a, there might be a radio cut. Mm. But, yeah, a lot of the songs you hear on Eurovision are very quick because I think they want to get in and then get out as fast as they can. So uh -huh. it's also, you think about, you have these giant concerts that you're doing. Uh, each performance is roughly about three minutes, followed mm -hmm. by usually a one minute intro card where they're introducing the people or 30 seconds. But that adds up real quickly. Mm. So you're looking at, not including the voting afterwards. So it's, you're looking at a three, four hour show where. Oh, yeah. 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 And something about, Eurovision in the year 2016. So first of all, this runs every single year, right? Mm -hmm. There's, okay, yeah, every single year. And apparently, the country of Romania was expelled due to unpaid debt. So clearly, this contest is a bit more merged in with everything inside Europe. And it's sort of, I guess, uh, mechanics of how the whole continent works, right? Yeah, it's mostly on... Uh... Well, it's, it's all kind of stems back to the EBU or the European Broadcasting Union, mm -hmm. because uh, with those unpaid debts, I'm pretty sure that would be Romania faulting on paying the EBU and not necessarily their position in like uh, the United Nations or anything like that. Yeah. So I'll be honest, I don't know the specifics of a lot of it, but mm -hmm. like you very it's very unlikely that everyone like all of the countries will enter every year. Mm. So a lot of the times some countries will kind of step in and then step away for a few years and then come back like Bosnia and Herzegovina has uh, came in in 2012 or so, I think was their mm -hmm. last entry, but they haven't been back since uh, Kosovo, same thing. Um, yeah. It's very rare when you'll see a country come in every year especially when they're not like a really big country mm -hmm. like north macedonia has taken years off uh serbia i'm pretty sure has taken years off mm -hmm. so yeah it's just interesting how that balances out between the different like the different broadcasters and everything that's happening there so yeah and they let kosovo in of course and i'm just curious does that like affect the relationship even worse between 
Serbia and Kosovo because you know Serbia is like oh Kosovo is part of us and everyone else is like no it's not I'm just curious <laughs> how does that work well, I'm I'm just waiting for them to one day be like, you know what? Let's just enter Palestine as well. No, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can't imagine that having any any negative consequences. Oh, so. good lord! <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a uh, there's a lot there. Like when you're talking about interpersonal European relations, like obviously it's not helped by a lot of different things. So, like as I as I kind of joked earlier, like there is that whole there's the massive affair happening between uh, Azerbaijan. I believe it's Armenia. Mm-hmm. But like they're both going to be in the next Eurovision, so mm-hmm. like there's there's gonna be friction <laughs> there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's interesting to see how going forward what happens and what's what how this kind of continues mm-hmm. from there. So, do you think a contest like Eurovision would be beneficial to sort of relieving political tensions between countries, or is it just more of like a competition and it's not good for them? I feel like there's that there's been a joke that's been going around for a long time where they're just like, oh, there, there's no more wars anymore because people just duke it out in Eurovision. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, there's some credence to that because like when you have this one central figure that's hosting everything and that you're forced to not vote for yourself, like there's something really interesting to that. There's something really exciting about that because you're essentially working through and being able to uh, actually like look past another country and their differences Mm. and just kind of value the music for it is. But going forward, like that's helps people heal in the long run because like, it's kind of how you start to see beyond the differences and start to see more into the same, like what similarities do you have with these other people? So, yeah. And I mean, music, uh, it really does bring people together and there's so many of them. There's so many musicians, and I'm just curious, say, uh, let's take France, for example. Say I'm a singer in France and I'm well-established. What sort of uh, steps would I need to take to sort of enter the contest on behalf of my country? That really depends on the country. Uh, Mm. Some countries have, like, pre-voting. Some countries have just nominations and then presenting. Some countries just Mm. straight up just pick their people. So that's had, that has its own whole, you know, thing with controversies and everything as well. But mm. yeah, there's something really interesting about how each country chooses to have themselves represented. So hmm. yeah, for sure. Hmm. Yeah. And uh, as you said, I'm sure that does spark some controversy for sure. Um, in countries like, I don't know, I'm sure, I'm sure Belarus obviously enters, but you know, the whole news happened with their, uh, dictator and all that sort of stuff all that fishy business and i'm sure it all ties in right oh of course everything's fishy all the time don't trust anything just enjoy the music yeah that's, that's <laughs> yeah that is the whole point uh, we all love music and i'm sure that's why they that's probably why they started the contest right or was there another reason i imagine so like i'm pretty this started very small like it was five or six like middle european countries that mm-hmm. just I don't know if they were just like, you know what's great? Let's just have a bunch of songs and then present them together and then just have a good time. And then since then, it's grown and grown and grown. So I don't know the story of how it got started, why it got started. I'd love to know because there's more than enough like stories on stories on stories there. But just like so much of the good that like Eurovision has done is really spectacular because... 
you look at even just some of the songs that have won or some of the winners, like there's a lot of barriers that were broken on Eurovision that are just, I'm not going to say earth shattering, but have had an impact that's felt globally. Mm. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, there's so many musicians, as I said, but not all of them are singers. And I'm just curious, let's say I'm a, great guitarist uh could i enter the contest as just a guitarist or be nominated by my country that's a good question uh normally there is vocal music Mm -hmm. i don't know about instrumentals Hmm. i know that there's a lot of like i know language isn't a barrier and i know that like uh specific instruments aren't a barrier which is good because uh, as I was telling you, there was like Hungary in 2017 okay. and he was playing on a, uh, it looked like a jug, but it was a traditional, uh, it was a, a traditional uh, instrument that he had. And then he was oh. singing in his own language, which had never been done in Eurovision before. So it was just like, oh. there's a lot of these really interesting nuggets that have kind of popped up. That's just in it's good to look through and it's interesting to be able to see how that's progressed over the years. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm sure the, there is probably, so it's when they fully uh, sort of cast the uh, voting time or whatever. So other countries vote for different countries. um, And if there's different languages, does that sort of uh, give you an advantage or does it give you a disadvantage? What do you think? It's hard to say. Cause like, it really comes down to the song and it's very unpredictable in terms of what will win. Cause uh, like in 2017, the winner was from Portugal singing in Portuguese with a very old school, like beautiful, almost lullaby medley. Mm. And the next year was this super poppy bubblegum uh, female empowerment pop rock Mm -hmm. anthem so like you really can't predict what will do well in eurovision because Mm -hmm. it's just crazy it's crazy and it's it varies like one of the best i think is in 2006 finland won with a hard rock band Mm -hmm. like kiss done up like gargoyles (laughs) and just like doing heavy metal Mm -hmm. deep throat rock singing and i'm just like this is amazing (laughs) yeah i mean that's that's their sort of music for sure. Yeah. <laughs> As I know, uh, every time I think about Scandinavia, it's always that sort of music for sure. And I mean, each country has their own sort of stereotypical type of music for sure. Do you see those stereotypes sort of reflected in Eurovision or is does it actually break those stereotypes? I think that one thing Eurovision has been very clever with is that it's been very, a lot of the people who make it till the end have something different about them. So like Mm. Russia entered a few times and they presented themselves as like this really hopeful, melodic, beautiful song. Mm. And like the next year they followed, like this year they followed up with this wacky, just absolutely bonkers song Mm. that's like Latin inspired. But if you've, if you've looked up anything about Eurovision, like uh, one of the, the most famous performers from the past 10 years is Conchita Verst. And she is this beautiful drag queen with a beard. Oh. And she just gets out there, sings her song. It sounds like a Bond song. 
So <laughs> like gets up there, just this beautiful woman with a beard. Mm. So it was, and just from that, like I'm just like all the barriers that may have been broken just because of that. It's hard. It's hard to say. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure this contest gives uh, so many people to uh, sort of a way to express themselves, especially for the sort of uh, contestants. And I'm just curious. It was canceled this year due to 2020. This is my last question. Um, it would be that how do you think this sort of affects the mental health of people during this sort of pandemic that they canceled it? I'm sure so many people love this contest. And this year's, uh, well, it's not this year, but 2020 was already as hard as it was. What ha- like that's a really big thing because for a lot of people this contest really matters. Mm-hmm. And what was funny for me was that I kind of like I've entered into this whole contest obsession at a weird time. Mm-hmm. So everyone else has these very distinct memories of like having short, uh, like a couple months in with Eurovision, and then like the year moves on. But because mm-hmm. I really hadn't got into Eurovision before the whole pandemic hit, this year ended up being all about like, I'm not only going to find out about 2020 Eurovision, I'm going to go all the way back. So <laughs> like everyone else is like all these songs from 2020. I'm just like, was that 2020? Was that 2015? I don't know because I learned mm-hmm. them all in such a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. And there's enough good in every year that kind of stick with me so that my mm-hmm. entire, like my end of year, thing from spotify is is nothing but eurovision but no consistency it's just a bunch of different years thrown together so what can you do it's it's a great if you've got another six months of sitting around doing nothing and you want to just learn a lot of music really quickly you can do that yeah i mean for sure everybody should go ahead and check out eurovision it does sound super cool after you talk to me about it i definitely will check it out myself it does sound very interesting Mm mm-hmm yeah. What's great about it is that you can just choose a year and then just roll with it because mm-hmm. there's so much that's every year there's so much that's good and they're not all great but there's enough there for people to be interested in specific things that it's interesting to see what actually stands out to you in the long run. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And then I go ahead and I will recommend to check out Eurovision to all of my listeners and with that being said, I really appreciate you coming onto the podcast. I do appreciate it a lot. Thank you so much. Of course. Thanks for having me, Patrick. No problem. And that is a wrap. Thank you all for listening to the Past, Present, Future Music Podcast. If you do want to link any of your social media, go ahead and let me know. And you can say that now. And I'll also put it in the bio if you want. Sure. My media, you can find me at the Big Shabam on Instagram and Twitter. And you can also follow my books and audio productions at can'tstandsittingproductions.com. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming out. And all of our listeners, have a great day. Thank you so much. Bye.